Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Kenem. Joining me in the studio, as always, is the co-host, recovered from the head cold of all head colds. Yeah. It's the one, the only, Padawan J. Glad to be back in the studio. Yeah, no kidding. That head cold, it wasn't any virus or anything terrible. It was just a really bad head cold. It really knocked me on my keister. Absolutely, and we got to give another special shout-out to Brian from Cheers to Comics, who saved the day, jumped in the co-host last week, because we had a lot to talk about last week, and we have a lot to talk about this week. But, Pat, it's great to have you back in studio for Thank this one. Thank you. So, everybody, let's join in that conversation, shall we? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH, because there's a lot happening in the land of movies, TV, and comics. So let's kick it off with recapping the CW. DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Our shows are back after a one-week hiatus. Yep. Random so, one-week hiatus. Well, yeah. Who knows? Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with the CW that they kind of take, take random breaks for different reasons. That's true. So, obviously, when they took the week off, we had a lot to left be desired because, as we were talking about The Flash, we just came back from the return of Grodd. Mm-hmm. And now we're jumping back into a familiar face, joining, returning, and that is one Wally West. Zen Wally West. Yes, Zen. Namaste. Zen Wally West. So, we are going to be talking spoilers. So, if you haven't seen the episode and you want to, pause the episode right here. But if you've seen it or you want to just hear about it, we are going to deep dive into it starting in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? I thought it was a good episode. You know, not exactly a home run, you know, grand slam out of the park, but it was a good episode. I mean, it had its moments that were infuriating, but, you know, that wasn't anything to do with the story or what, or I didn't like what was going on, you know, it, it, but it was good. It served its purpose. I, the Flash, since they've returned from Crisis, has been very hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, I thought they started hitting their stride last week with or the last episode with Grodd because yeah. obviously when you deep dive into the Flash's rogues gallery mm-hmm. and I've said this many times I know keep saying it his rogues gallery is up there with the Spider-Mans and the Batmans it's oh, yeah. very deep it's very interesting the dynamic he has with his rogues yeah so to see a classic villain show up such as Grodd it's a big thing mm-hmm. this season since they've been returned uh, from Crisis they've been introducing more recent uh, adversary, shall we say. Yeah. And the connection really hasn't hit. I know they're kind of playing the long game here. Well, and that's the thing we've also kind of said is with this, you know, the first half of the season felt like its own season in and of itself because the entirety of the first half of the season was getting ready for Crisis. I know they had that whole other subplot going on with blood work and all that going on, but like, you know, backseat, you know, back burner. It was all about Flash, or not Flashpoint, Crisis, getting ready for Crisis, getting ready for the team to move on from from having Barry around and all this and all this. And this, you know, once you got past that, it's like, all right, hey, time for the actual season to start. Right. So now we're kicking in full gear, and this is where we're starting to see the ramifications of Crisis show up, which mm-hmm. I do like. I, yeah. will say, I will say, as critical yeah. as I've been about the Flash this season... I do like it that they're showing that there are lasting effects. That is not just the two episodes and done, which has typically been the case for The Flash. And they're not beating you over the head with it, and they're not doing little, you know, it's it's a little tidbit, a little, you know, an M&M or a Skittle that, hey, remind you, hey, not everything's the same. Not everything's as you remember it to be. 
you know, it's it's enough that like, okay, the stuff has changed, you know, it's interesting to see, but it's not like 30 minutes of, you know, exposition of, oh, hey, here's what's changed this week. Right, because as the episode opens up, we see a philanthropist, a, a celebrity, shall we say, we're not really sure her background, flying in a helicopter, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that helicopter is attacked. Yep. And then we start seeing this yellow flash of light running around the helicopter, saving the day. And on Team Flash is watching this from Star Labs, and they're like, okay, well, this, Barry's already on the scene. And then Barry comes walking in and going, what's going on? And lo and behold, we find out it's the return of one Wally West, mm-hmm. which is always good to see him back on the show. It's been a while since we've seen him reappear, obviously. Yep. And to see kind of the interaction that Keenan Lonsdale has been uh, playing in this interpretation of Wally, we see that, as Pat alluded to, he's in a very zen-like place. He's almost like a Danny Rand type of thing. Yeah. Or where, Dan- you know, season one uh, Danny Rand. Yeah. So to see where he is now, and obviously there was a little touch upon this when he was in the Legends for the the run, right. which I, I still think that they should have kept Lonsdale on yeah. Legends. I think they did a real mistake <coughs> by letting him go from there. But I digress because now we get him back, and you can kind of see that those ramifications are still there in some degree. That being said, we jump in, and Barry is uh, having somebody to balance out what's going on with the Speed Force because obviously with what happened in Crisis, there's been, I don't want to say blackout moments, but he's having some issues controlling the lightning. He's having some issues, and all of a sudden, unlike previous seasons, they're a little lacking in other speedsters he can bounce off of. You know, in seasons past, he could maybe get a hold of Jay Garrick and go, hey, you know, I got this issue going on. You're more seasoned than I am at this. What's going on? Or even, uh, what, what's her face? Uh, from Jesse Quick. Jesse Quick from Earth 2. You know, she might have known something. Or there was all, you know, or even maybe his daughter from the future, he could have bounced something off of. But now all of a sudden, he up until Wally shows up again, he really doesn't have anybody. So it's kind of like he's on his own. Right. So obviously, this kind of helps him figure out what <laughs> is going on because this is a big plot line that has been building since crisis ended right which i do like that they're touching upon it and the explanation about why it's happening makes sense makes perfect sense and pad what is it uh the speed force is dying yes the speed force is dying because when barry got his power boost up or Mm -hmm. whatever you want to define it from uh oliver queen specter this really upset everything in the balance of the force yeah not you know the true force but for the speed force and it was the right move to do at the time, too, because when the Anti-Monitor is destroying all forms of life across the, the timeline and the multiverse, you got to take extreme measures. Mm-hmm. What Barry did made sense. Now, Wally had no idea about this because right. he was off. It never really was explained what he was involved in. I, I think at one point later in the episode, he mentioned something about the Peace Corps. All right, maybe something like so, that. So I think it was involved in the, with the Peace Corps in some capacity. But he wasn't mentioned in the major crisis storyline. Right, so, right, right. So at this point, he's kind of hearing about it, and this is really upsetting Wally because when you tamper with the Speed Force, it's not just one person you're tampering with. It's everybody. Right. And let's face it, when Barry tries fixing things, yeah, it always goes wrong. Yeah, and there's no like, oh, things are a little wrong. You know, it's a little hiccup here. No, it's like worst case scenario. No, it just is the ultimate we screwed up and it's bad and we're already at DEFCON 5. And mm-hmm. and I, this is kind of like a, a typical Flash move. So I, I wasn't really super shocked at this. <laughs> But I do love it that they did explain it and explain how it ties into Crisis because right. that is something that I was fearing that now that the shows have kind of started picking up their steam, 
this was going to get forgotten about. But I digress. It's a cool little storyline that's going on with them. Meanwhile, at Jitters, the philanthropist slash you know celebrity was in there getting a cup of coffee and is attacked by somebody that we find out later is Turtle 2. Mm-hmm. 2.0. 2.0, which is christened this by the one and only Cisco Ramon, a.k.a. Vibe, a.k.a. Carlos Valdez, who has returned to the show for a little bit. We don't know how long he's sticking around. Yep. I wouldn't suspect too long, but in typical Cisco fashion, he has a baseball card album book yeah. of all the rogues. Yeah, that was really cool to see. It's it's him. I mean, yeah. and if this were if this was on Arrow, I'd I'd be like scratching my head. But Flash, no, does, it's him. Flash hams it up a little bit for it, and I get it, and it works for it. So I'm not mad about it at all. Not. No, and especially given his age, if if Pokemon was a thing in that universe, he absolutely did the same thing with like Pokemon cards or any of the other trading card games as a kid. Yes, because once the philanthropist is attacked and killed, because they, she is aged rapidly. Like I think, if I remember right, when they the uh, police department shows up to examine her body, you know, when Wally's telling the story of rescuing her, she's like, oh, no, she, you know, she didn't look anything like this. She looked like a young, vibrant woman. And and Barry's looking at her and he's doing some sort of age test or whatever to determine her age based on her skin. He goes, yeah, this is telling me she's 110 years old. Yes. So that storyline is going on. Tonight. Now I have to track down the new Turtle 2. Right. And the other plot line that is going on here as well, too, is the Iris storyline, which I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still not buying in on. And I'm just kind of going, meh, uh-huh. so-so. And it's just more of Iris dealing with the evil black hole organization yep. and what the real story is with Eva. Bec- or because we just don't know. And no. whatever is going on there, I, like, I feel they're, they're dragging. I know they oh, want to yeah. do the slow build. Yeah. But like I'm already losing interest in it because it's just it's taking way too long. I feel like you could definitely take some episodes off mm-hmm. and not show her because let's be honest, this episode she really didn't do much other than sit there watching Barry and and her friends and maybe trying to peek through once or twice. But outside that, there wasn't anything real revel like a real revelation. No, the only thing that was noteworthy is Camilla had taken a picture of Iris, and they freaked out. Right. Iris freaked out about it and, and was given some kind of nonsense line, and it was allegedly deleted. Uh-huh. And this will kind of come back later in the show, but it was it was really interesting to see why it was such a big deal. And then, obviously, with everybody else going on, we still have the return of one Ebart Thawne, yeah. which Tom Cavanaugh, killing it as always. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what can you say about him that he, like, without him on that show, I feel it'd be very depressing. I feel that they'd be lacking something, something big, like mm-hmm. something, something. I I don't know exactly what, but for all that Tom Cavanaugh brings to that role, and for every interpretation of Harrison Wells that he does, right? Let alone with Ebar Thawne, it's always a different personality, and you get this because once you see Thawne try making his move and attack Cisco, right? Because he's trying to figure out why everything is going on with the Speed Force. And when it is revealed that, well, he has lost his speed force, right? Cisco gets the upper hand, and this is kind of where Thawne is still, you know, kind of seeing what he can do. Well, he loses his speed force, not through anything existential reason. It's just because the body he's in doesn't have the speed force. Right, but this is where you kind of seeing is he playing the long game and trying to get caught to just get some more information. That's like, true. Like, that's what I thought. That's true. Because for him to go against Cisco, now granted, <laughs> Cisco has been depowered, 
as far as we can tell. Well, no, he got repowered up uh, for Crisis. And to my knowledge, they never said anything about taking that away. But he kind of, but he never uses it since he came back. Like that yeah. was that was the point about it that I wasn't sure if he if he got his powers back for Crisis and then they took it away or you know, kind of in that mix. Like cuz it's never really said. They never really like you said they never really said and they never really detailed like it, it, at no point did they say you have lost your powers. So like I'm going on the assumption he's got them, he's just not using them. Yeah, that's the only thing too. I I, I didn't really understand with that. So that's why I'm kind of going on and if I if I miss something, there's a lot of stuff going on with this episode that it, it, maybe he has it, but he just he. I don't remember him using him lately. Right. So that being said, that Thawne lets himself get captured and basically gives his death threat to Barry that says, I am just back to kill you because if I'm going to die, I'm taking you with me, which is typical Thawne and just playing the long game. So, oh, yeah. And then when Thawne says he does have access to the negative speed force, which he touched upon in uh, season one, mm-hmm. it's very cool to see the throwback to it yeah but at this point too barry is trying to tap into that as well right since he knows that his speed force is going away because the speed force is dying well yeah because at one point in the episode the speed force dies and you know whatever energy is left is it once they're out you know it's like a tank of gas once you're out of gas in your tank uh, of your car you're done yeah so during this whole bit, I mean, obviously they find a way to take down Turtle too because disposable villain to begin with. Yeah. So nothing really too much to write home about. It's a team up of the Flashes, and they kind of just really have a. I don't want to say a throwaway episode with this, but the major antagonist really I already forgot about. Right. You know, it's kind of like a one and done, easy wrap up. And it was interesting to see that Wally just came back for the quick fix and obviously to kind of build up what they're doing with the Speed Force moving forward. Right. I mean, it was kind of a throwaway episode, throwaway villain, Mm. but it was more setting up for what's going to take place going forward. I mean, you couldn't have just an entire episode of just them sitting there talking and and doing it. Like, they needed a foil. They needed something to go after. They needed something to fight, all the while dealing with Eobard Thawne. Yeah. So, obviously, this had to serve its purpose, and I get it. And, I, I'm like I said, I wasn't mad about this episode. I actually thought it was pretty good for what yeah. it was. Yeah. And especially with the cliffhanger ending, because yeah. once that is revealed that Camilla didn't delete the picture, and yet she sees now the true ma- nature that Iris is, that's walking around Central City is actually the mirror Iris, we'll just call her. Right. And lo and behold, who finds out? Mirror Iris. Yep. Who fires her with a mirror gun. So, Camilla, I don't know, is killed off. I think I'm guessing she got put in the mirror universe. Yeah, me too. And obviously where that goes forward is going to be kind of anybody's guess because now it's a wide open playing field. The Barry is now trying to figure out, okay, I need to save the speed force. And anytime he's trying to tap into this, it reminds me when he had like velocity five, I believe. From oh, season yeah. One. Yeah. He starts tinkering around with that. And I know that the trailer for next week's episode, you hear speed steroids. Right. So have we already hit this point of the season where we're going to dire straits to save the speed, speed force? Like, is one crisis to another, so to speak? No, I mean, it, it makes sense on the one hand that, like, okay, you need to figure out how to tap into your own speed force. It's I kind of look at it as a jumping off point. Like, okay, we've got this drug that helped give people temporary speed powers, so why don't we go from there and build off of that? Yeah, absolutely. So overall, it was a good episode to come back on. Like I was, like yeah. I said, I'm not too mad about it. Where they go with it next week, I don't know. And and like I say, Cisco, I don't see sticking around too long unless he's planning on being there. But then again, when they announced that Brandon McKnight, who plays Chester, is going to be a regular on the season right. the series, he, they're essentially the same character, just 
different sides of a coin. I think he'll stick around for as long as Thawne is around because I can't, as much as grief and, and headache as he's given Barry and, and their team over the years, I can't imagine Cisco's going to show up for a week, no you know, f- reverse flashes there and running around and just go, hey, well, I know you guys got to deal with this, but uh, see you later. Right, unless, of course, he tries going after Camilla, and that ties in with him. Like, that's the only thing I can see with his story. Right. Since they brought him back, and they needed an explanation to write him out. Because, like I said, after Crisis, we really haven't seen too much. So, like I said, I'm not really sure what the state of his powers are. Or if he just kind of says, well, you know, at this stage, Mm -hmm. I'm out. Because, like I said, he came back to write himself off when they came back from the season premiere. But you never really kind of deep dive into where where he was standing on that. Right. So when he's making the taking the men a human cure, that's why he took off in the first place, and he's trying to you know figure out everything that's happened since crisis. So I mean, once he finally got done getting the information in, it, who knows? But I just can't see him not having his powers later. Right. They're going to tie that in somewhere. They just have to. <coughs> I just don't see him just saying one and done with it. But overall, good episode. Yeah. Not too mad about it. Then we go right to legends. Yeah. Which legends. We say it once, we say it again. It's American Doctor Who, and this episode really touched on every single level of it, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because this was the story of how Ray Palmer, Brandon Routh, everybody's favorite fourth Superman, yep, was setting up to do his big marriage proposal to Nora Dark, and lo and behold, we come back, and we are talking spoilers still on this. Yep. We come back to see one of our favorites return to the show one of the best villains in the whole DC CW universe. And, Pad, who is that? Damien Dark. Yes. Neil McDonough coming back was a great sign to see. He always, always, always crushes it on Legends or whatever show he's on because he just goes so super ham with it and just really just eats so much scene. It just scenes up and just with his charisma. And it just, it's something that just needed to be added to it. I will say, though, him coming back, it was a bit confusing at first because they said, oh, we have another recurrence, a.k.a. somebody back from the dead who, you know, shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But he was still acting like it was him from, you know, whatever season he was on Legends because when he met, went to meet up with and meet his daughter, he acted like everything was hunky-dory and fine. He knew the Time Bureau and the Captain of that. Like, he didn't know anything that had happened. So I don't know if that was just an effect of, hey, coming back to life, you might have forgotten some things. Or if it was just out of time. Well, it's the one thing about Legends that I will say does get confusing at times. No pun intended. Right. When they bring characters out from different timelines, and you had to really pay attention for where he was when he came back, because they tied it, what, two years ago when they had the b versus the Demon, and that's how he was written off. When he came back, they never really kind of touched upon where he was other than he was in hell with because it's one of Astra's released demons who decided instead of giving more souls, he was going to go check in on his daughter, which ultimately gets back to the point of he is a father at heart, as twisted as he is with how he does it. And to see the dynamic (laughs) that this episode went from being a simple episode of Ray trying to have a marriage proposal Mm -hmm. into a weird examination of the characters yeah and what i mean by this is you see that when damian dark comes back and this is all to do with the timelines and obviously what damage he's done to sarah lance's family and what he's done to ray over the years and to see john constantine get mixed in which one thing and i didn't realize it until i said it on this episode Mm -hmm. because when uh damian dark shows up at constantine's house yeah that this whole dinner 
uh, the fiasco is happening, that is the first time that they have ran into each other. Oh, yeah. And I did not realize that at first. And I'm just thinking, has this ever happened in the comics? Because I know Damian Dark has not really been featured in DC Comics. Right. Like, to this level. Right. And I always keep harping that if DC wanted to do something fun, they should introduce a Legends of Tomorrow comic. Yeah. Even for, like, a limited series, do something fun with that and introduce, like, the Damian Dark, rebring him back into the DCU. Because, I, like I said, I haven't heard anything about him in ages. But to have him come back and have that magic versus magic moment with Constantine. Finally, somebody, like, on par with Damian's powers. Yeah. And Damien was very cool about saying, he's like, I've heard of you. Right. And instantly had that moment of respect with him. Right. Because every time we've seen Damien Dark, it's just he's completely outclassed and outmatched everyone he's fought against. And finally, it's like, oh, I've met my equal. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see that dynamic. And I want to see more of that. (laughs) I don't know if they can pull it off because obviously with wherever Legends is going this year with Astra versus the Legends and the ultimate battle, which is coming up sooner than later. Right. I'd really love to see Constantine versus Damian Dark in some fashion down the road. Just the, the screen time they had and the chemistry they had going back and forth with each other was was very incredible. Oh, yeah. Because, like I said, this was the major focal point of the episode, that you had Sarah Lance, who was going back in time, and they saved Gary from getting ran over by the, the train coming like yeah. the old west. And, and, I mean, that's just a little fun nod that Legends does, because Legends... At, like, at its core, it has its humor, but then it has its drama moments, too. Right. And at this stage, too, they are faking that Nora had become this big success. Oh, my God, yeah. Nora couldn't tell her father the truth and was going to, like, the most ridiculous lengths to keep him happy and give him a story that he would enjoy. Yeah, I thought this was one of Courtney Ford's better episodes yeah. that she acted in. And she was really selling the point and oh, really, yeah. trying, really trying to demonstrate that, that, you know, I've taken over and, and Ava and Sarah Lance are working for me yeah. and I've become this and... Then they find out that Ray's botched ring proposal. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, you know, which it was typical legends. Yeah, like it, it, they think it's a, they think it's in the one dessert Damien's going to eat, but it turns out it's not because it was supposed to be the poison that deactivates his powers. Because yeah. legends and reasons and and you know Gary jumping in there too to to add the little comic relief. Like they had those little moments, and then finally <coughs> it ultimately ended up being did Ray win over? Damien Dark. Mm-hmm. Because once the charade is pulled off and Nora says, you know, Ray has changed me for a better person, he finally gets the co-sign on to get married to Nora Dark. Yep. Albeit, though, where this sets up, and I thought they did a very, very good job with this, is it was already announced that Brandon Roth was leaving the show. Yep. And Courtney Ford was, too, as well. So they set it up where Damien Dark said, you've really made a change for my daughter, but you can't do this from that ship. You're going to need to settle down and make a home location where she can do this and she can prosper and she can go almost like, I don't want to say it was like a deal with the devil, so to speak mm, a little bit, but with Damien dark, you, you never know the ulterior motives yeah, yeah. and what he's really doing and what he's really selling. Right. But I thought it was a very cool take on how to write him out. Yeah. Because like I say, the one thing I will always complain about legends or the CW in general too, is when they announce characters or, or actors or actresses are leaving shows, they do it like months in advance. They do it months in advance. So, you know, the characters are going and they're on a ticking time bomb to like disappear and go poof gone. Yeah. I hate that about that because I, as a viewer, I would love to be surprised, genuinely surprised. This one, we knew it was coming. albeit though. They did it early, which I think is very interesting that they would take Ray out of the equation. Right. Because you assume that after now that he's been married because um, 
He got married right there by one of the members of the Legends. Yeah, if I remember right, Sarah was the one officiating. Yeah, I always forget about that because I always want to say it's Mick. Because well, Mick, no, no, we did have a Mick revelation uh, in this episode. He's a father. Yes, which I is very interesting. They're making that dynamic out of nowhere. Well, he's the he. No disrespect to the character or the actor, Mick is the last person you would expect to ever be a father. Yeah, because, in any way, shape, or form. Because he's always been there for the comic relief of just having he's, the the one liners and he's and he ultimately he's in it for himself. I mean, yeah, he helps him out and yeah, he he saves the world and he saves time. But he's also stealing stuff along the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dominic like, Purcell. He's still looking to make a buck. Dominic Purcell is just so good in this role. And, and especially if you know the character he waved in the comics, <coughs> he's a B villain at, at best. But Purcell brings so much just, you know, just snarkiness to him. And just yeah. something that yeah. you, you gravitate as a fan because deep down you're, you're seeing that, yeah, he's a thief and all that, but he wants to be good. And he, he you're seeing the, the conversion of it. I mean, obviously, since. Uh, Captain Cold is no longer there as right, well. Right, that you see just the dynamic change in it. So as you see, like his storyline has gone all over the place since he's been on the show. That that was like the little backstory that had gone on, and just kind of ties into where Legends is going forward. Because now with Brandon Roth's character leaving, that's a big gap on that team. Well, I'm I'm betting he sticks around at least maybe till the end of the season. It would make sense too, because like I said, it wasn't. Fully, he's leaving. This was it. Because I would, I, I would kind of put him in the same camp I put Cisco with. Like he, they're going to stick around for the duration of their dealing with the current, you know, crisis. No pun intended. Where I can't imagine Brandon, as much as a team player as he is, and as much as he cares for everyone on that team, just being, hey, you know what? I just got married, and I just told my new father-in-law that I got to go settle down in a in a place in time with my new wife. So uh, I know you guys are dealing with this really existential otherworldly crisis with, you know, hell and, and demons escaping and all that. But uh bye. Yeah, it's something that I think they're gonna just have to clarify once they get going and and just how they want to write him off is gonna be anybody's guess. But I think that now they set up the seats for it, so I'm not saying it's gonna be a, a short trip, but I wouldn't doubt that by the time the season finale I believe is in May mm-hmm. that we'll see him pick up business really quick with that yeah but overall thought two strong episodes coming back yeah. not not the you know blow away right home about but no they, they were enjoyable very enjoyable and like i say for the cw to be coming back like this and obviously post-crisis cw has been very mixed reactions i thought Super, right i think supergirl has been on point since they've come back really have i've been trying to catch up on batwoman and black lightning so i really can't jump into that and then the the more interesting dynamic, which I talked about last week on uh, One Shots, Pad, uh-huh. it was officially announced that Stargirl has a premiere date, right? And it's going to debut Monday or Monday May, I almost said December, Monday May eleventh uh-huh. on the DC Universe, right? And then the next day on the CW. Uh-huh. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I don't really care. It's its its own separate universe. It's got nothing to do with Arrowverse or anything like that. So, meh. I, the thing I'm more interested in is I know the season's already filmed and it was on a DC Universe budget. I can't wait to see what the show looks like for season two when it's on a, if, if it still looks the same. Yeah, that's something I really want to see. Because shows on DC Universe and shows on CW do not look the same. No, it's a very it's big difference. It's night and day. It's a very big difference. Especially how you do the stripe armor. Yeah. That's one thing between that and Solomon <laughs> Grundy. Which we saw in the trailer. Born on a Sunday. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Just to see Grundy come on there and just how the JSA tie-in is going to be. Especially, it's really interesting they're going to be doing that. And with the Black Adam movie coming out, mm-hmm. that the JSA is going to be featured in. It's anybody's guess. 
But overall, CW came back pretty strong with their DC shows. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts about Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and the other CW shows? We want to know. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year... We need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Hey all, I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, to video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have a little special gift for you. Uh-huh. Now, from our friends over at 3 Fat Nerds Podcast, shout out to Ron, Rich, and hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel, who is now on Twitter. Lord have mercy. You've been warned. They just had their 100th episode, which shout out to them yeah. for that. Congratulations, guys. But Rich was also very gracious to give us an interview he had with Mike Ivory. From Uppercut Editions. Now, Mike is involved with the Mortal Kombat Compendium book. Okay. Which they have made. They are going to make some rounds with it. So we are going to share with you that interview right now. All right, nerds. Uh, we're here. I'm back. And uh, we are about to have a wonderful interview. Of course, my guest is a very good friend of mine. I've known him for a while. Uh, I promised him that he didn't have to do any Batman bombs to be on this show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen from Uppercut Editions, my good friend Mike Ivory. How you doing, bud? Hey, what's going on? Uh, happy to be on, man. Awesome. I'm, we're glad to have you on. So we, uh, you formerly were known as the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia Project. I mean, that's, that was a mouthful. So Uppercut Editions, good change, good change. Uh, let, let me know how this project kind of got started and, uh, you know, how you guys came up with, uh, trying to push to get this book out there to the world. Uh, it started in 2015, uh, when Mortal Kombat was approaching the 25 year mark. Um, and we started to see that, you know, there was a saturation with, um, a lot of other games that were celebrating their, or not just games, but like, uh, franchises that were celebrating their history and they were pretty popular among collectors in terms of like Marvel Encyclopedia, Star Wars Encyclopedia. Um, Street Fighter has had multiple now. Tekken's had one. Um, you know, even Darkstalkers, some other games have had one. Uh, but Mortal Kombat hasn't. And it's been one of the top five fighting game franchises in the world. The characters are, are very recognizable. They're household names to a point. Um, and so I, I kind of kicked it off for fun. And it started as like a petition um, and most folks know petitions generally don't go anywhere, uh, as the folks who tried to get the, uh, the last Jedi, uh, uh, appealed, um, <laughs> will know, but we took it from there and, uh, author of the Mortal Kombat X comic books and, um, story, uh, lead for Mortal Kombat 11, as well as Injustice 2, Sean Kittleson 
kind of lit a fire under our ass and challenged us and said, hey, listen, man, if they're not going to listen to you, make them listen. So we, we decided to kind of take it into our own hands. And, um, you know, my team and I, we, we started to build it from the ground up. It started as just images. And then we said, hey, well, why not just put something together and put it in front of them? Um, so that's where we are now, five years in the making. And, and it's only gotten better and better the way it's looked. Uh, and it's, it's gotten a lot, a lot of traction. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I, I, I'm probably one of the few people who's had the privilege of seeing kind of your progress as you went. Cause I, I have an old PDF file of when it was right in its like infancy of you guys just putting the original one together and, uh, all the way to the fact that I am holding a, uh, copy of the promo copy of the, the book that uh, you gave to me when I was down visiting you. Uh, the book looks amazing by the way. Uh, like the, even though this is just a 50 page promo, this, like you can just tell from looking at it, the quality is high. The graphics are great. There's a lot of really good content in it. Uh, who was uh, responsible for the majority of the detail of this? Uh, it's a team effort. Uh, we do have an author, uh, between, uh, my author, Jeff, um, also known as razor's edge, uh, in the mortal Kombat scene. He's, he's, a known mortal Kombat lore lord uh he does an awesome job he's very thorough um and then uh we have an editor who does a lot of our editing we didn't have previously on the old book which it now can you you can see it um a lot of the writing is is a lot more fluid and and it has the same voice across the whole book um lindsey lindsey hicks of gaming insurrection she does an awesome job um and then my designer tommy who is the co-founder of uppercut editions uh, he, he is an incredible, incredible amount of, uh, work in terms of putting the layout together, finding things that, that will make more sense in terms of pitching it to our audience. And then we have our asset team who painstakingly cuts out those little images of the characters and grabs all those 4k shots that are in our book. Um, all together, our whole team kind of puts together that, that thing there. Um, and it's, a uh, it is a work of love and I wouldn't be able to do it without them. So, I mean, it's, it's truly a team effort. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like I said, just going through like the promo book, just kind of describing it to him. Cause it's hard for me to, to read it on air, but I have got, I've had a little bit to digest and uh, read it. Uh, there's not much, there's not many stones you, uh, don't, you know, you leave unturned. I mean, it, it has a great direction. Uh, you have like each game and what characters were in the game. You have like you, you, you they have their sections for mini games, uh, stage levels, and of course, you know the characters. And uh, as you pointed out, there's a lot. It, there's a lot of uh, screen grabs. You can see like the different looks, the different uh, masks that they've worn, different uh, concept art. You guys did a real painstaking uh, job of like going through and finding all of that stuff, and it looks really great together. Uh, so, like I said before, I have a 50-page promo book. Uh, so the real book, how how many pages is that about? 350 pages. 350 pages. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. And uh, it just dives deeper. Like I said, the promo book has a few different characters, a few different things. You can see where it's going. You can see the different flow and direction. And uh, so is it the whole book kind of follow like that, kind of like the, the, the coffee table book that you can flip open and flip through? Yeah, so the the whole book is is uh, it's gonna be thirteen by eleven, so it, it is gonna be very large. Uh, it's about the size of what you have there, but obviously uh, three hundred and fifty pages is is going to be much much more content compared to the fifty that is in that promo book. Um, but it's uh, it what we're going for is we're trying to combine an art book and the encyclopedia look. So it's a two for one type deal because you know a, a lot of 
Mortal Kombat has changed a lot over 20, 25 to 20, 26, 27 years. And the characters have looked different in each and every game. So we want to represent that as best as we can. The same thing for the arenas. Like, you know, when you say the pit, you know you uppercut somebody down into the spikes. But some folks don't know how many times the pit has changed over the course of, you know, those years. Or, uh, you know, how many times a character has changed their wardrobe. And it's it's silly to say how many different times or how many different ways can you design a yellow ninja or a blue ninja. But there's there's a, a, a plethora of it. But the idea is to capture this this coffee table book, and and basically celebrate this franchise. Yeah, I think it does a great job. Just from me looking at it, it does a great job of being a book that you can read because I did read through it, and I it, it's very it's really interesting to read it and get the like the points of it but then after you read it like you, most books think about it. you read a book and then it sits on your shelf you might reread it someday but you don't with this book you can actually leave it on a coffee table and guests can come over and even if they don't read it just flipping through and looking at the pictures is great or even just to display it on a, on a case itself like and you know so you know it's a good conversational uh, piece especially if you have uh, other fan, friends who are fan of the series and trust me, there's a lot of them. I mean, the the, the game has pushed a ton of uh, content out there. And over the years, everybody grew up on it. I mean, I'm old enough to remember playing the game on the Sega Genesis system, the original game, uh, and playing the uh, arcade game as well. So, like, it is when, when you go back and see that, and then the newer fans who, you know, maybe they didn't get in because they're, you know, younger until, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat X or Eleven. You, you end up with, you know, it's a good pace for everybody. The other thing I like that you did is you definitely had the highlight of the guest uh, character section, which has become now a staple of Mortal Kombat. Uh, do you expand on that in the 350-page uh, uh, version? Yeah, we so we've taken every guest character that's ever appeared um, in, in the games, and they all get their own section. Uh, they all get... Uh, a screenshot that demonstrates what their abilities are. Um, and then they each get a screenshot of one of their fatalities. Um, and we break them down with like a mini biography, what their official biography is in the game. Um, in the promo copy, I believe we have a lot of the folks from the newer games, including Kratos, uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason, Leatherface, Alien, and Predator. Um, in the newer one, all the DC characters will be represented that were in Mortal Kombat versus DC. And also... Um, the newer guest characters like Terminator, uh, the newer Joker, so Joker will get two spots, and then um, obviously Spawn with the announcement coming this weekend, so Spawn will also get an announcement in there. Uh, but all of those characters will get that same love. Um, it's looking to be about, uh, I think it's like 12 pages of just guest characters um, that are brought in there, so all those guys get love. Oh, that's awesome. And like I said, that's become a real staple of the franchise, especially in the uh, the, the later years here, especially starting with uh, Mortal Kombat 9 and on, uh, especially with the horror uh, characters. Uh, so speaking of this weekend, that's that's why you're here. This weekend, you have a big weekend planned. Uh, you will be in Chicago, Illinois, correct? Correct. Uh, and what are you uh, looking to achieve and what are you doing in Chicago? Uh. Ideally, what we're doing is we're taking these promo books out there, and the idea is to pitch this book to Warner Brothers and NetherRealm Studios. Uh, it'll be the biggest window of visibility that we have or have ever had with the book. Um, our whole team will be out there for the first time. So for some of us, it's our first time meeting for the first time. Um, our asset team is coming out. Uh, Timo and Nash, uh, both of those guys, one's from Tennessee, one's from uh, Puerto Rico. And then uh, my, my buddy Josh will be coming out. 
Um, and it's our first time going out there as a team to basically hopefully uh, go to NetherRealm Studios and say, hey, listen, you know, we've done all the work um, and we have, you know, we, we'll basically put this together for you and, and do this um, and see what we can get done for the fans. Um, outside of that, uh, we're going to go to LCQ, which is Last Chance Qualifier, to hopefully get our name, Uppercut Editions, out there in the more of the esports scene for uh, the Mortal Kombat players and hopefully kind of network a little bit more. And then Final Combat, um, which where we'll be working uh, with a number of people, um, content creators, that'll be there and uh, hopefully get our books some more visibility uh, at the event where they show off Spawn. Ooh. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's, that's perfect timing. It's great that uh, you're going to get a chance to like knock out all that at the same time. It definitely puts the, the book out there and it definitely, uh, I, I think uh, there's no way people can't be excited. I mean, I I've had this promo book and I have had time to digest it, but just looking at it and flipping through, you can see that there's a lot of work put in and it looks great. Uh, so uh, while you're out there, uh, I know that you've kind of been back and forth and trying to get this thing done. Is there anything that anybody listening can do to kind of help uh, move this project along, especially if they'd like to see uh, these on the shelves? Uh, they could they could uh, follow us at on Twitter at Encyclopedia MK um, and help kind of share some of the stuff we put out there. Uh, let at NetherRealm and at Tyler Lansdowne on Twitter know that you want the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia to happen. Those are your folks there. Um, they'd love to hear it. You can also let Sean Kittleson know at Kittleson, K-I-T-T-E-L-S-O-N, S-E-N, and uh, let him know, you know, that you love the project as well. On Facebook, we're the Mortal Kombat, uh, Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia Project, um, but it'll say Uppercut Editions on there. So if you just look up Uppercut Editions, you'll find us on Facebook. But basically, anytime, you know, you share any of our stuff to NetherRealm or WB Games, um, it would be uh, a great help. Oh, absolutely. And I'll make sure that I uh, go through and put the uh, names in the dis- uh, into the description of the podcast. So that way, if they want to just click on a link, it'll take them there and uh, everybody will remember where they are. Uh, so I'll do that. I'll do that due diligence to get it out there. Um, of course, uh, you guys can't do any crowdfunding or anything like that or else I'd be plugging that for you. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, too bad. Well, Warner Brothers told us no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't piss them off, especially uh, when you're trying to get this done. Uh, with that, though, uh, I'm gonna uh, after this weekend, we're gonna find some free time. Have you come on the the main Three Fat Nerds podcast? We can dump jump deep into the lore, maybe even have you come on for uh, you know the whole show or something. Have a lot of fun with uh, Diesel and Ron, who unfortunately could not be here because they're both working. Uh, I was gonna make a clever joke about how they both had the coronavirus, but then we might get yeah. we might get well wishes for them, and we can't have that here. Um, <laughs> And trust me, what Diesel has is not the coronavirus. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll have you on there. And uh, hopefully, like I said, we're going to try to uh, get this out. If you're listening on another podcast, uh, I was passing this out to a bunch of our podcast friends. And hopefully, you know, to like make it a little wider. Hopefully you guys can, uh, you know, uh, get, get the word out there. Trying to do our best to help out because, uh, you know, we, we like to help out our friends. And we're also all about doing the DIY stuff. So uh, you guys have been awesome. And uh, we've had... We've had discussions about this before in the past on the show, and it's, it's done very well. So hopefully we can get this out there and uh, cast a wider net as you guys are trying to make this thing happen. So uh, in closing, you got anything you, know, you want to say? No, and, and I thank you guys for your support. And uh, I, I look forward to being on again with all three of you guys. And uh, just, you know, give us a follow on social media and help us get the word out even more. And, you know, that's that's all that really helps. I mean, fan support is everything. And it's the reason we are where we are right now. 
Awesome. Well, uh, thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. Thank you for, uh, you know, doing this interview with us. And like I said, I hope everybody out there listening, please go to the Twitter, go to Facebook, go to their page, like their page, follow them. More more importantly, pound it out and, and, and make sure that the people who need to hear that we want this to come out, have it come out. Uh, we will be, as soon as you tell me we can, we will be putting up some pictures and videos on our, our, our end as well. So... Uh, good luck in Chicago, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks to Rich for hooking us up with that interview. And if you want to find out about more what Mike was up to in Chicago and what's going on with the Mortal Kombat Compendium, check out on Twitter at Encyclopedia MK. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, it's time to record the promo. What? Promo. The what? The promo. We should record a promo. I don't have the body for porno. No, a promo. Oh, guys, we should... uh. Record a uh, promo. Oh, that's a great idea. Hey, we're three hours later. I'm Matt. I'm Alex. And I'm Mike. We started this podcast because there's too much content in the world, and finding something worth your time could be a hassle. That's where we step in. Every week we listen, watch, or play something for up to three hours, and then we come back together to talk about it and see if it's possibly worth your time. Follow us on Twitter at the number three HRS underscore later, and our Facebook and Instagram number three HRS later. And please give us a review on Podchaser and iTunes. And we have a Linktree link as well with everything else. Uh, link tr period ee or slash three hours later. Hey, that was a great idea, Mike. I hate you both. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the third segment of this edition of the ODPH podcast. And Pat, there's a big movie coming out this week. Oh, yeah? Well, if you're into comic books, that is, ah. and that is Valiant Comics Bloodshot. Okay. Now, Pat, are you familiar with this character? Nope. Okay. So the very quick synopsis is Bloodshot came out of the Valiant Comics universe in the 90s, which was like a little spinoff universe that really took off. Most notably, you would probably hear about Exo Man of War, mm-hmm. Turok Dinosaur Hunter, which was a very big video game. So, at, I at remember time. that one. So Archer and Armstrong, Harbinger. It was a very fresh take on a new universe that tied in, and Bloodshot really stood out because he had ties to a different character called Ray, who or Rai, rather, I'm sorry, because you can all kind of pronounce it different ways, but it's like Samurai. So okay. Rai. Okay. Um, Valiant was doing a lot of crazy different things in the 90s, which I always really liked their universe. It was just a really fresh take on the <laughs> typical setup. And I always remember the cover of Bloodshot number one because it was the first time you really saw a Chromane cover. Oh. And if you ever hear the movie Mallrats by Kevin Smith, they they kind of rip about it because in the 90s, a lot of stuff was getting these Chromane covers. Ah. And they would charge an exuberant amount, in my opinion, for, th- for those covers. But Bloodshot was the one that kind of stood out and really was... I would say represented a lot of like the '90s heroes of just the action shoot 'em up, um, yeah. Punisher yeah. type. Yeah, because his whole backstory is he, he's a soldier that was injected with nanonites and has really become this unstoppable killing machine. But he doesn't know his background. So when Valiant was in business in the '90s, Bloodshot was a very known character, and then Blood Valiant kind of went away for a little bit, and then he resurgence. And right now, I mean, they're really killing it on some of their books now too. So this is the first movie that is going to be coming out with any Valiant characters. Mm-hmm. We talked about that there was a Harbinger project as well 
that was coming out, but I believe that is now under the Sony banner. Right. So this one is not under Sony. Dave Wilson is the director, but what's most notably is the lead actor in this movie, and that is one Vin Diesel. Uh, I think I've heard of him. Which Vin is a huge comic book guy. Obviously, we know that he is part... I Am Groot. Yes, of I Am Groot and, and that whole nine. So to see how they're going with this, is going to be a really interesting take. Now, the trailer, as we've discussed on here numerous times, is a a very basic. I don't want to say that it's simplistic to what you would expect from this character, which you have somebody that is, you know, that is just waking up and has been, oh, well, what has happened to me? I don't know. And you're really trying to figure out, okay, what is going on in the background and just kind of say it shows enough for the people who've read the comic and know who he is to kind of be like, Oh, this is good. This looks awesome. I want to see this while also simultaneously introducing him and giving an idea of who he is to folks, maybe such as myself, who've never read bloodshot, never heard of bloodshot to go, who the heck is this guy? Exactly. Because like I say, visually impressive of how they were going to do the character, because he always has a red circle on him in the middle of his chest. And that's where he's injected with the nano knights from the, the corporation that's trying to make him into an unstoppable killing machine. And where it just kind of wakes up is that Vin Diesel is having these flashbacks of when he was out on missions. And just you see that they're also experimenting on other people. And just really, this kind of ties into a lot of what Valiant does because they always had uh, one evil corporation that was behind everything. Mm-hmm. And just how they go in and just really start messing around with most everybody in the timeline. I mean, that's just how it is. And just from this trailer that we've, we've seen and we've discussed about it too, it's very simplistic. It's very down to basics. You get the idea that Bloodshot is an unstoppable killing machine, and you just see the special effects where he's getting half of his face blown off and just resurgences back. And then you're seeing a character that has spider-like tentacles that is going to be his antagonist and just really seeing a lot of action. And dare I say, it kind of reminds me in a weird sense like The Expendables, mm-hmm. just some stuff that's way over the top. And you really expect this from Vin Diesel. Yeah. I mean, this is not reinventing the wheel by any no. means. But it's going to be a fun little movie that if you're really interested in seeing just like a, a just, like it's like a throwback action film. Well, okay. And that's what you can really say is, okay, this is coming out, and this is what you should expect. And it does make a lot of sense. So they're not really reinventing the wheel, so to speak. No. But for a new universe to break into the dare I say, field of Marvel and DC pad, do you think this is really important for this film to succeed? Uh, I would say so, yeah, just because, you know, there are folks who enjoy the Marvel movies. I count myself among them. I know there are people who, you know, it's not really their cup of tea. It's too cookie cutter. It's too bright and happy. It's too, you know, humory. It's too this, it's too that. And I know there's folks who enjoy the, the DC movies and they love what's going on there and they want things darker and grittier. And I know, and I'm sure there's a uh, a group of folks out there who don't really like either. They go to both, but they're like, "Ah, eh, this isn't really my cup of tea." They want that third option. You know, you you go out to you go out to dinner. You you think you know you got your steak, you got your burger, and then you maybe got like a nice sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's looking good. You know, you're not really want a burger. You don't really want a steak. You don't want a really good sandwich. Maybe like a BLT or something like that. Yeah. You know, this would be it for those folks that you know. Okay, I don't really like Marvel because it's a little too cookie cutter. It's a little too bright and happy. Not really big into DC because they don't know what the hell they're doing these days. But hey, here's something else that you know. Maybe maybe this is my cup of tea. Well, I think it's just something to see <laughs> and be very behind is that a company such as Valiant, Mm -hmm. which doesn't 
play the same way that Marvel or DC does. It, it's a very indie comic line in its own right, but it's do, it is a shared superhero universe. Mm-hmm. To see somebody like that get to the big screen with a character and have an A-list character or A-list actor such as Vin Diesel, who people know and is going to have a right. monster year right. with the Fast and Furious franchise, and everybody knows him from Groot, from Guardians of the Galaxy, to attach himself to the project is a very big deal. To see where this character has came since November 1992. That is when it first appeared. Right. And Eternal Warrior and, and Ray number zero, which, like I say, Valiant numbering is a little different thing. But to see that Kevin Van Hook's <coughs> character has really, you know, gone out and really lasted the test of time. I mean, mm-hmm. with Van Hook and Dan Perlin and Bob Layton all, you know, co- combining their talents to make this character and really sell itself on it to last through all these iterations. It's very cool to see and where it plays out from here. I mean, this could spark a new shared universe until yeah. we were talking about Harbinger, I believe, is still at Sony. Yeah. This film was done by Columbia. So I don't necessarily know how that's going to work out. And especially with the different iterations of Valiant that mm-hmm. whatever storyline they play out, like I honestly don't know what storyline they're going to be doing for this movie. Right. I think that it could go a lot of different ways. I think that... It could be something that throws back to the 90s. I think it'll probably be more closer to the more recent launch mm-hmm. that they had. Because, like I said, Valiant has uh, gone re- hit the reset button a couple times from where they started in the 90s and yeah. since they've been back in the you know early 2010s. To see how this is going to play out is going to be anybody's <coughs> guess. Right. I'm excited to see where they kind of play this in. And like I say, from I read Valiant when I was in the 90s. Like That's the one I'm more familiar with. I'm not really familiar with how it is now. But from everybody I've talked to, Brian from Cheers to Comics, Justin at Soundground, and a few other fans that talk on the show, Valiant Comics are a very good line. I recommend them. Like They recommend them to me, so I recommend them to other people. And Bloodshot is one of those characters that stand out. The Harbinger one, I'm waiting to see how this team is mm-hmm. going to be in. Because like I said... The Harada organization is what ran everything in the 90s right? with Valiant. So to see how that is going to, you know, factor in with everything and, and go on and, you know, it, it could tie into a lot of things. But for everything to really be what it needs to be for Valiant to take off, this film needs to be successful. I'm not saying it needs to be a $100 million weekend. No. I don't think it's going to do that by no. any means. I, I just, I don't. Make its money back. Yeah. I just I think if it makes this money back and it establishes that we can have a profitable franchise here. Right. I makes its money back and I would say the fan reception is good. Yes. I think that that's all they kind of need because like I say the next one that's lined up is Harbinger and, mm-hmm. and that's going to kind of fall in line with your new mutants slash young team cuz like I said that one is just based around um them fighting and breaking free from the Harada Corporation, which I believe at one point was titled the Harbinger Foundation. It's been a while since I've read that. So if I'm wrong, please correct me on Twitter. I will not be mad about it because it's been a long time seeing it. And that one has always been like their flagship team. But they've always had that kind of same vibe as like the New Mutants. Like it, I don't want to say like their X-Men team, mm-hmm. but they never really had like a Wolverine type character really right, stand out. Right. So if Bloodshot opens the door for that, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I did hear some rumor that they were trying to do an Eternal Warrior movie based off that, too, with Dave Bautista somehow connected to that. Okay. It was a long-time rumor, so I don't know where that ranks right now. Mm-hmm. But I think that it could definitely go a lot of different places. And for Bloodshot, like I say, it's going to be very cut and dry. 
Is it going to win an Academy Award for Best Script? Probably not. No. But will it be enough that you'll start seeing some interest fall behind Valiant for this? Yeah, I think so. I think this is coming out at a good time because <coughs> it's right before all the summer blockbusters are going. Yeah. It's having a decent amount of promotion behind it. So there's not anything at the at the theaters right now that I can think of, oh, this will give it some competition at the box office. The only thing I think that it might fear happening is maybe comic book hero fatigue. Mm, maybe. I mean, people have been saying that about Marvel for years. Right, which, like I say, Marvel is the brand you know. Marvel is like your Coca-Cola. DC is like yeah. your Pepsi, so yeah. to speak, in, in reference to... So does that make this, like, tab? Maybe. Well, it's an it's an indie thing, so I mean, this could be tab. It could be like White Claw. I mean, who knows? <laughs> it, it, it could go a lot of different ways. There ain't Just, no laws when you're drinking claws. Exactly. So we've been told. But overall, though, the trailer looks intriguing enough that I think it could stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it's going to be a home run? No, but I could be surprised. I think that if people are going in expecting like a monster epic, something like Christopher Nolan would direct, no, you're right, not, you're not right, right. This. Is this going to be Fast and Furious? 9.2, mm-hmm. who knows, maybe. I expect a lot of over-top action. These, the CGI in it looks very good for what it's doing. And I know they're trying to emphasize like when somebody's like skin is flying off, it's right. regenerating. And you're, you're seeing a lot of that, which I think is an interesting visual. I, n- I don't necessarily know if it's going to resonate that well, mm-hmm. but I think that for what this movie is going to do and just to see Valiant get some shine about this, I'm super excited to see it. Like, I think to support the indie comic scenes, even when it's in a movie. And if it's going to be awful, well, I'm going to be recapping it next week on the podcast. It can't be any worse than Dark Phoenix. Right. The benchmark is low right now. Yeah. It's very low. Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's no way it can be worse than Dark Phoenix. If you can be better than Dark Phoenix, we will give you a nod. But like I say, it's going to be a simple, straightforward guy wakes up. He's been experimented on and is going to find out who did what to him. It's Vin Diesel. He's fighting things. Things are blowing up. He'll probably drift a car or two. Yeah. Like, you know, who knows? You know what you're going to get if Vin Diesel's in the movie. Yeah, exactly. So Unless it's Guardians of the Galaxy. But even then, you know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know that you're going to get three words out of him. <laughs> I am Groot. Yes, in different dictions, which he does it very well, too. Yeah. And like I say, for Valley to pull this off, it's going to be a big deal. Could this open the door for him to do some more stuff? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. But Bloodshot needs to do decently at the box offices. We're going to talk about any more movies coming out of Valiant. So for that reason alone, I'm going to give him the shot and give him some support. <coughs> we'll see what happens this week. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Are you excited about Bloodshot? Do you even care? Did you even know this movie was coming out? Let me throw that at because I know a couple of people are like, what are you talking about? Definitely let's have that conversation. Hit us up on those social media accounts. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pat, what you got for those one shots? Oh, going to talk about E3 because I think everyone saw this coming. It was just a matter of time before it was announced. Very unfortunate, but very understandable. E3 this year, of course, uh, the Electronics Gaming Expo that takes place in Los Angeles and has taken place in Los Angeles for the last 
I think it's 26 years or something crazy mm-hmm. like that, where you know your big gaming companies like Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Ubisoft, um, Bethesda, among many others, all show up and, and debut their games and show off new games and show off their their new hardware and new consoles and new everything. I remember the one year uh, Sony was finally unveiling their second PlayStation portable uh, uh, console system, the PlayStation Vita. And very funny, funnily, uh, the person who was introducing it goes, and now for the worst kept secret on the internet, you know, so and it, like I said, in past episodes, uh, it's, it's always been a part of my growing up. And when I was a teenager and whatnot, because I remember it, you know, it always takes place in the summer you know, it would take place, you know, in years past uh, during uh, summer va- vacation from when I was off school. So when, you know, the channel G4 was still a thing, they'd had, they'd show all the press conferences and I'd sit there with my brother on a, you know, sunny afternoon or whatever, watching the Microsoft press conference, watching the, the Ubisoft press conference and watching the Sony press conference because those were the games that we were going to end up playing and wanting to see. Uh, but as with what well, everyone knows what's going on in the in the world right now with the coronavirus going on and please you know stay safe wash your hands absolutely take the necessary precautions don't buy 80 rolls of toilet paper please uh, you know uh the because of what's going on with the coronavirus uh it was announced today uh that e3 2020 has been canceled uh said so the uh organizers of the conference said quote After careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020, scheduled for June 9th through the 11th in Los Angeles. Uh, They went on to say uh, they'll be looking to, quote, coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. So... The unfortunate news, and so you had some reactions from some of the big uh, gaming companies. Microsoft said, quote, E3 has always been an important moment for Team Xbox. Given this decision, uh, this year we'll celebrate the next generation of gaming with the Xbox community and all who love to play via an Xbox digital event. Details on timing and more to come in more in the coming weeks, close quote. Uh, Nintendo said, quote, Nintendo supports the ESA's decision to cancel this year's E3 to help protect the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners. Uh, we would like to express our con- our concern and support for all those affected by the COVID-19 outbreak during this challenging time. We'll continue to be flexible and redirect our efforts to other ways of keeping our fans up to date about our activities and products. Because of the COVID-19 outbreak, large industry events may be untenable for the foreseeable future, but we are considering various ways to engage with our fans and we will have more to come, more to share as the year continues. Ubisoft uh, said the health, quote, the health and well-being of our teams players and partners is our top priority so while we're disappointed we fully support the esa's decision to cancel e3 2020 e3 is and will continue to be a moment where we come together as a community and share our love of games we're exploring other options for a digital experience that will allow us to to share all the exciting news we have planned uh electronic arts uh went on to say quote we've continued to follow the coronavirus developments around the world very closely clearly the situation is evolving by the day and we've been reviewing how it will uh, change our plans for ea play 2020 we will share more soon 
and Devolver Digital, who you might not know the name, but you might know some of the games they've worked on. Uh, they're most known for working on the Serious Sam franchise back on uh, Microsoft Windows and Xbox 360. They've done some Hotline Miami games. They're, they put out a lot of indie uh, games. Uh, they said, quote, the week of E3 has always been a big part of what we do, and, are gen- and we are genuinely bummed about the cancellation of the event itself. Lots to ju- uh, juggle, but right now we have a, a have pl- we plan on having a live stream, Devolver Direct slash press conference, and possibly more. Close quote. Uh, I know the folks at Kotaku, I'm reading all these quotes from, uh, said Warner Brothers, Take Two, Square Enix, and Bethesda did not immediately respond to requests for comment, and Activision Blizzard declined to comment. So definitely, a, a, you know, a unfortunate situation because for folks such as myself who play video games it's always something fun to look forward to and exciting to look forward to because it's it's like a car expo it's like you know the the the, uh, consumer electronics expo you know where they show off all the fancy gadgets and the massive television screens it's stuff you're going to be playing in the very near future it's it's but with everything going on fully understand it Mm -hmm. you know makes sense you know i imagine nintendo you know nintendo's already got the directs they do where it's it's their scheduled live streams where they show off stuff so i'm sure they'll do one of those but in a really you know cool awesome way playstation sony already wasn't going to e3 this year but i'm I'm sure they'll do something sounds like microsoft and all the other folks are going to be doing something similar because they all have channels on on youtube and twitch and facebook and and all a bunch of other sites where they can just i think they can just turn around and do what they were going to do at the press conference but just live stream it so there'll still be something there but it just won't be the same yeah it's definitely being smart right now with everything going on and we can't stress enough please be (laughs) safe in this time period yeah make sure you're taking care of yourself and and doing the proper procedures to make sure you stay healthy during this entire time that's going to be the big thing right now. So I understand as much as it sucks that this has happened, they're just trying to watch out for the public's well-being. So I mm-hmm. get that. Uh, like I say, for anything that was going to be going on at E3, I was going to be recommending go check out the Geek Freaks podcast. You heard the promo earlier in the show. Definitely show them some love. Get uh, some uh, some of that knowledge that they're giving out this weekend uh, on their latest episodes they're going to be doing. So they're going to be covering everything that was going to be going on in E3. So if you really want to find out what's going on, Check them out. Yeah. I mean, even to follow up about what's going on with the coronavirus, too, they stopped production of Falcon and Winter Soldier right now over in Prague. Yeah, they were filming over in Prague, but because of what everything's go, everything going on with the coronavirus, they've uh, obviously halted production. So no word yet on when that'll pick back up. Right. So And and before you start, anyone starts freaking out and wondering, it hasn't been delayed. We haven't heard anything. So right. wait and see. Yeah, the only thing we know is they have stopped production, so we're not sure how far along they are. Right. We're not sure would they... Whatever the moves are going to be, it's too early to predict yeah. what's, what's going to happen. Yeah, because obviously it's a big show coming out, but Marvel, I'm sure, and Disney Plus, obviously, will make adjustments accordingly. I wouldn't doubt. I'm not saying I know anything, but I wouldn't doubt they bump Wandavision up early. Could be so if that's all done, because I know it's getting close to because they're filming that right now. If they decide to do something like that, yeah. so overall, the safety of the public is what's more important. Yeah. So you know, do what you got to do. Yep. That's all we're going to kind of say with that. So for my one-shots, there was some comic book news I have been waiting for for a long time, Pat. Okay. One book that, as soon as it was announced, I had circled on my must-go-get as soon as it comes out. Okay. Was The Three Jokers. Ah, okay. Now, it was finally announced that there is a release date of Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. Okay. That Jeff Johns and Jeff Fabic, or Jason Fabic, I should say rather, 
have completed work. So the book is allegedly done. I'm cool. going I'm going by from what was reported by in Entertainment Weekly that Fabic and Johns have completed it, that they're ready to go, and this is going to be the origin story of the Joker as for in now. comics. For now. Because as was revealed in, a, in like almost a throwaway line in Justice League way back when, when uh, Batman was on uh, Metron's chair from the New Gods, he asked, "What's the Joker's real identity?" And he said, "There's three Jokers." Are you like what? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna find out the whole story and how it's been tagged. Is the paraphrase the quote unquote is a spiritual sequel to a, the Killing Joke? Oh Lord! Now. Oh, Lord. To make that comment, and like I said, that is their quote, not mine. That's very deliberate. That's very deliberate. That is a lot of weight to be putting on. I'll say that's not an instance where, like, they're just trying to compare it to something, and that's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. You don't exactly throw that name around in comics. No. Unless you got something to back it up. Not saying they don't, but they need to deliver something huge with this because... If you're going to tie it into a kill, The Killing Joke, one of the most iconic Batman stories of all time, the definitive Joker story, in my opinion, by Alan yeah. Moore, you got you have to come with it. You have to really deliver on something. Not saying that John's hasn't <laughs> got some crazy idea cooked up, but... There's going to be something crazy with this. It's got to be something. I mean, he just wrapped up Doomsday Clock. That was very like, like, I can fully see them going, like, revealing one of the identities of the Jokers and being, like, Thomas Wayne or something bonkers like that yeah because that's what they would do oh absolutely i mean that they they got to do something like that and they don't they don't do anything like half cocked like oh it's this random character from like the 80s that was in a a, you know 50 episode 50 issue run over the course of a decade that all but maybe two of you have forgotten no they don't do that they do it like big bombshells yeah so this is going to be the true telling story like i i don't have any Early idea, other than a split personality, was my original guess with this. I'm going to also say this. Get your pre-orders in at your local comic shops early, because this is going to fly off the shelves. If anything has been taught by the recent punchline mania, go to your comic shops early. Like, after you hear this episode, go up to your store owners or whoever is ordering the books for your shop. Say, I would like to have this reserved so you don't get screwed over when somebody goes that has never read the series and just grabs all the books off the shelf because they think it's going to be a collector's item. Be proactive about it. Be Be sensible. Be sensible about it. Because the last thing, and I know Brian has had a lot to say about this. I know Justin's had a lot to say about this, respectively. When you are behind on just not placing that subscription, placing that pull box list, you fall victim to this stuff happening. You need to be proactive about yeah. getting to your shops. Hey, when is this coming out? I'd like to pre-order. I'd like to have it reserved. What do I have to do? They'll talk to you. Yeah, they're more than willing to do it. Absolutely. That's the whole thing about going into a comic shop because otherwise you fall into the whole punchline mania drama, which everybody knew the book was coming out, is what is. So this time around, though, three jokers. we got to make this happen. In fact, after the show, I will try getting a hold of Justin to be pro- proactive about it myself here. So I will practice what I preach, folks. But that is all coming out, and the book, from all the information I've been reading, uh, allegedly it's going to be monthly. So we, okay. it, 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 it's not going to be like a two-month delay. We whatever, hope. Like Doomsday Clock right now, allegedly, allegedly from a couple different sources I've heard. 
It's supposed to be monthly, so let's keep our fingers crossed about that. Because, damn, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm. I try overselling a little bit. No, that is legitimately going to be a shock to the system for any comic book reader. And if you're a Joker fan, this is your book. So you're gonna have to check it out because I think the ramifications along with this and what Tinian's doing with the Joker War this summer too. Gonna be a big summer for Batman. Yeah, big summer. So at the comic book shops, big week for Marvel. Cable number one comes out. Okay. So this is the first uh, or the second book under the uh, a second wave of the X Men, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's I know how they Wolverine build it. came out. I know Hellions is coming, which I, I've been very vocal. I'm not too excited about the team. The creative the creative team is good. The actual characters on the book. Yeah. Eh, I'm not. It's not really moving the needle for me. X Factor was kind of the same vibe too, but Cable is going to be always interesting, especially now that he's Kid Cable and the weirdness that goes on in that world. So that's going to be coming out to the shops. I mean, Jerry Dugan's writing it, so that you know it'll be worth picking up. X Men Eight is coming out to Immortal Hulk Thirty Two, which Pad, mm-hmm. I know that you were very sick last week, so I know you. I don't think you caught last week's episode. Do you realize that we are near Incredible Hulk number seven fifty? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So that would be next month's issue of 33, I believe. So this is going to be building up. I mean, Mortal Hulk has just been absolutely bonkers. And looking at what else is coming out, I mean, Marvel's got so much. Van Venom's coming out. So, you know, Donnie Cates is doing something crazy with yeah. that. And obviously the rest of the book's coming out. His Thor run has just been absolutely insane, too. So much good stuff coming at your local comic book shops. What do you need to do? First, you need to listen to the Wednesday poll list coming from Brian from Cheers to Comics. And you also need to check out on our Facebook page. And I saw Three Fat Nerds is also sharing them, too. The only Justin Cosplay. Justin Cosplay. Justin Credible Cosplay. The man, the myth, the legend. You see him every Wednesday on our Facebook page. is giving you the breakdown of every book you need to know at the shop. So check them out before you head down to your shops. And then make the right decisions, folks. We give you as much fair warning as we can. That being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of <coughs> Shout at the Robots. Great friends of the show. They got a lot of stuff cooking on. So where do you find out about all of them? You go over to OchoDuroParlayR.com. You check the music section. You find out about them. Second Suitor, Floodlands, Walking Distance, Fair City Fire. Plus, we have a couple other bands that have reached out that want to come on the show next month. So we know Tom Julo. We just got to work out the date. That is the only thing holding up right now. He's going to be coming on. And Yard Party is going to be coming through. So we're finalizing that date. We'll most likely be in April. So stay tuned for that. But to check them out ahead of time, you head over to the ODPH music section on OchoDoraParleyR.com. On there as well, you can also check out Parlay Points, the blog section of the podcast, which we have some news coming out with that, but I don't want to spoil it just yet. There's a little teaser up there, but I'm not going to spoil anything there. You can also head over to the ODPH <coughs> directory and check out Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. Shout out to him doing a lot of cool things on the YouTube channel. You can also check out Excite Wrestling and everything going on there. We were down at the 8th anniversary show this past weekend. Great time at the X. Moose and Team Excite are promising something big for the April 11th show. Wonderful. We hope. We don't know. But that's a little teaser that we're trying to guess at. We're trying to get Johnny Moose on here to actually tell us. He's being very tight-lipped. He's being very tight-lipped. He's going to Bloodshot with me tomorrow as we're recording. So I'm going to see what I can pry out and maybe I can do a quick vlog about it. 
We'll have to wait and see. But also on the ODPH director, you can check out all the different podcasting groups that we are in with the amazing people that are in those groups. So shout out to Pod Nation, shout out to Next Wave, shout out to the Apocalypse community. I have to pause to say that to say it right. That's the one Brian from Cheers of Comics is running. That thing is a monster already out the gate pad. And of course, hashtag 607 podcast, which we have to shout out yet again. Congratulations on 100 episodes to Rich, Ron, and hashtag Big Natty Cool. Diesel, who is on Twitter, you have been fair warned. We can't stress that enough. So you can check out about them. You can check out Blow Jam. We'll give a shout-out to Delia and Ryan there as well. We'll give a shout-out to Horizon 607, Mike C., and what they're cooking up there. You can find all the links all on there as well, plus the 8122 Productions Patreon. Pad, Love is Scary is weekly for the month of March. Ah. Dr. Derek is in the lab cooking up something Dare I say, I wish I could talk about it. I, I know people say it's a throwaway line. No, it's not. I can't talk about it because I've been told if I say anything about it, two providers will kick us off. That is how much hot that content is. So for $1 a month, you get a, you get an open seat at the table. For $3 a month, you get a comfier chair and you get a little more perks. Who And there's a lot more coming on. There's a rumor that Ron is having a show on the Patreon talking... Well, I don't even want to spoil it for you. You'll just have to find out yourself. 8122productions.com. Shout out to those guys, and we'll see who's worthy of the last coaster. That's a little foreshadowing for uh, if you heard the last episode. Everything that is the ODPH, you can check out on ochoduroparleyhour.com. And one last plug before we close out the show. We announced this on the sports show, but I can't stress this enough. Live stream for The Cure is going down May 27th through the 31st. Epic Film Guys are running a streaming podcast marathon. They do this for the past couple years. It's an amazing cause to raise money for cancer research. The ODPH is proud to be a part of it this year. So we will be working on some content for it Sunday, May 31st, 1 to 2 p.m. with Rich from 3 Fat Nerds and Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. We're coming up with something for it, something special, something that... You're going to have to see to believe. I'll say, if the Giants and Knicks can just screw up epically in, like, the same week, we'll just put Coach Duffy on a live mic for an hour. We could. It, we, who knows who's going to be part of it? Give like, Coach Duffy a live mic for an hour. The only three people I can guarantee are going to be on there is myself, Rich, and Tom. Okay. Pat, if you want to come down, you're more than welcome. If Coach Duffy wants to come down, he's more than welcome. Well, we're going to make this a big, big episode because this is a very big event. I am a very big fan of this event and what they do that, ju- that Justin and Nick do from Epic Film Guys to raise money for cancer research. I think that they do an amazing job. We are going to be playing this promo until the event. You hear it on every episode that's coming on the ODPH. For more information on that, live stream for The Cure, or you can hit the button that's on ochodoroparleyhour.com. Enough said. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 